1: For over a year, BuzzFeed News reporters Anthony Cormier and Jason Leopold had been reporting on President Trump and his campaign's ties to Russia, breaking major stories and trying to follow the money.
2: We had both been fantasizing about this mother load. I just remember Anthony was like, oh my God, oh my God.
1: They'd received thousands of secret government documents that revealed that banks all over the world had moved money for terrorists and criminals and drug dealers. And the U.S. government knows about it. We see actual human beings pulling the levers that allow this sort of criminal misconduct to go on. I'm Azine Gureshi. Join me for our new podcast, Suspicious Activity, Inside the FinCent Files. We'll dive into the story these secret documents tell and take you behind the scenes with my colleagues at BuzzFeed News as they reported it.
2: I've never seen anything
1: like it in my life. Find it on Radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows.
0: To kick off the final hour of the show, we welcome back our good buddy Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson. He is back with us on the Technicom hotline. Chip, how are you, buddy? I'm doing all right, Kyle. I hope day's going well for you. Pretty well. Pretty well, all things considered. I appreciate that. Let me uh, let me start with the Wyndham this weekend. Uh, Jim Herman, I believe his third PGA Tour win, a pretty successful outing for Harold Barner III, who is obviously a, a local fan favorite. Give me Chip Patterson's quick recap of uh, Wyndham up in Greensboro.
2: Um, You know, death taxes, Webb Simpson finishing in the top ten at Sedgefield Country Club. The mayor stays the mayor. Wasn't able to chase down the, uh, you know, Bedminster country club uh golf pro but you know i thought that he still delivered on everything that we expected from him and he continues to be in there in the conversation with justin thomas and colin marakawa for pga tour player of the year strong finish the harold varner position is interesting because as we go into the uh playoffs he does need to do a little bit of work as we move to tpc boston in order to try to put himself in a position uh, to try and extend his time in the playoffs. And so I think there's a big spotlight on him. And in that sense, while he had a strong showing, you would have hoped that for a player who's still looking for that first PGA tour win and who I've even talked about on this show, it feels like it's right around the corner and yeah, would have loved to see a little bit more there. The other big headlines for me coming out of the weekend, uh, really probably focused on Jordan Speith as he seems to not really have a whole lot of confidence in where his game is at. He's already, Talking about having his eyes on the 2021 season. And then Brooks Kepka missed cut. Looks like he was battling on Friday a little bit. And then a triple bogey at the 10th ends up getting him bounced. Like, I, I don't know how long Brooks Kepka is going to stick around uh, in this run. You know, players of his caliber normally do not play six, seven, eight events in a row. And he's on uh, a pretty, pretty long bender of a, of a run on the PGA Tour. So, you know, not not what you wanted to see from Jordan Spieth, not what you wanted to see from Brooks Kepka and now two world-class, multiple-time major champions seem lost with their games and, and don't really look like they're going to be a factor in the playoffs.
0: Chip, let me let me bounce something off you before I get to the college football stuff. I had a, a listener or two bring this up last week, and, and being that you also cover the PGA, I think you've got really good perspective on this. Uh, one in particular last week saying, KB, the truth is, Tiger Woods just really isn't a threat to win majors anymore, and that it's just a, a media, the, the insistence of the media to continue to hype him up when they go into major tournaments, uh, you know, like the PGA Championship, but the reality is Tiger's not a real threat anymore. What do you make of that?
2: Uh... You know, the media narratives don't have anything to do with world ranking. It's one of the most uh, scientific aspects of, of the golf world. And, you know, there, to the point that uh, there are people who look down on the world rankings because it is so scientific that you win certain events or you go play in this tournament, you get some world ranking points. But there's no media narrative behind the idea that Tiger Woods uh, yeah, he's not the number 1 player in the world, but you can't argue that he's not, you know, one of the 10 to 15 best. Now he's down there in the 40s in terms of the FedEx Cup standings, but we're talking about the reigning Masters champion. If you're a reigning major champion and if you have had some of the success that Tiger Woods has had since, you know, the 2018 season, I mean, he was I, I didn't think that his body was going to hold up at TPC Harding Park. And he grinded, man. He, he was grinding out there like a 68 on Thursday, 67 on Sunday. He's making cuts where players like, you know, Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka might not be. And so I, I think that Tiger Woods is not a media narrative as one of the 10 to 15 best golfers in the world. And I don't think you're seeing anyone in the media, um, uh, try and treat him as though he, uh, he is the number one threat to win. That's where somebody
0: like the Justin Thomas or Bryson DeChambeau. Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Chip underscore Patterson. He's with us on the Technicom guest line. All right, Chip, um, it's weird to center conversations about a global pandemic and a university sending all of its students back off campus around uh, the likelihood or viability of college football, but this is sports radio and it's what we do. UNC did make that decision yesterday to, re, uh, to, to go to full remote learning and it led a lot of people, especially those in our business, to then wonder what that means for the viability of college football this fall, be it on, in Chapel Hill or, or various other college towns across the country. What did you make of the decision, and, and where are you on what that could mean for college football?
2: If college football is willing to embrace a, an environment where student-athletes are in college sports and the university higher education. Is willing to embrace an environment where student-athletes are some of the only people on campus, then you are going to give yourself a better chance of finishing the college football season.
0: Chip, I think we have a little bit of an issue with the phone line here. I'm, I'm going to let Hacksaw, and by the way, Hacksaw's in studio. I'm going to put Chip on hold and let Hacksaw clear up that, uh, that phone line. It sounded like he clicked into some Bluetooth, some kind of Bluetooth situation. We'll get that cleaned up for you and, uh, and get Chip Patterson back on the line. While we wait, for those asking, we do have the Bailey bets coming up here in just a couple of minutes. A uh, little bit of a, uh, an impromptu, uh, you know, by committee type of, of situation here today with Smoke out and thankfully Preppy and Hacksaw chipping in to, uh, to handle the the load so preppy had to run hacksaw's in early he's handling that over there and we'll try to get chip back on the line to figure out what's going on but yeah again the bailey bats will come up here in a couple of minutes hot start for us uh, on the week could have been three and oh but a two and oh start last night with a couple of nba overs hitting and i got a couple more of those for you here in just a few minutes but i want to see what chip thinks about again the decision by north carolina to send its uh, its students back off campus yesterday and if that means that college football is less viable or if this creates a more conducive, potentially safer environment for pulling off a college football season, which then, of course, as I'm sure Chip will touch on, you know, leads to some bringing up how this exposes the uh, the sham of amateurism and how you know, these these players would then be looked at as essential employees, then strengthening their case potentially, you know, to want more, to want a revenue split, to want, you know, full health coverage for the season, to want six year scholarships, you know, to allow them to uh, to, to finish degree requirements because the, the schedule and the demands of being a college athlete full-time are so demanding, you know, and, and so it is a multi-layered, nuanced, sometimes complex conversation. It's never been easy, and I, we've been saying that for months, you know, since the, the pandemic caused the great sports pause of 2020, and we began wondering about these sort of things. What was viable? What wasn't? You know, we kind of knew back then that pro sports leagues were better positioned to do some things that college sports weren't, but uh, we can continue the conversation now. Chip Patterson back with us on the line. Chip, pick up where you left off, man, the UNC situation.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you're, you're going to have a better chance to be able to pull this off, the least number of factors involved, the least number of people that are around. And, you know, the, the idea that the insular community that the college football programs have been able to create, where, as Mac Brown reports, they haven't had a positive test in the last month after initially having to shut things down then you're going to be able to have a chance to be able to finish the season. And if you, they want to start the season, we'll see if they'll be able to finish the season. That's the uh, that's the big question.
0: Chip, the, the Big Ten's taken a lot of criticism. I, and I would say, and I think you'd agree with this, the Big Ten's taken a lot more criticism than the Pac-12 is. T- to your mind, why is that?
2: Transparency. Yeah. The fact that the Pac-12 released uh, the full document Released, by, uh, that was like given by its medical advisors in terms of why they believed it was a bad idea to proceed. You know, I, I got an opportunity to read through those documents, and the things that stood out to me were number one, its medical officials were not convinced that the universities in the Pac-12 were going to be able to get their hands on the kind of reliable and rapid testing that would be required in order to test enough for them to it uh, give the advice to move forward. They also looked at where the schools were and what kind of health restrictions were in place. And the PAC-12 was facing a situation where at the start of training camp, there were going to be, uh, I think, three or four schools. So nearly a third or fourth or a third of your conference did not even have the guidance to be able to move forward from local health officials to conduct any kind of training camp. You could not gather in groups large enough for a college football team to properly prepare. And so with the local health officials throughout the Pac-12 footprint not having the kind of um, you know rules in place that would allow for a college football team to prepare with a lack of confidence in all the universities to be able to get reliable rapid testing, I mean, that really, to me, for looking at the documents, that really powered a lot of the decision-making process The other thing that's happened is since the announcement came out, not only have they released in writing what their medical advisors said, but the university presidents have have all been speaking with the media. They've all uh, stood together in the decision. And then in the Big Ten, we have not received as much information regarding the specific specific medical advice that they got from their advisory board. Uh, We have not heard from uh, many university presidents in in terms of the reporters that are reaching out and asking for comments about what drove the decision. And so the lack of transparency has led to a real backlash from Big Ten players, from Big Ten fans, and from the parents of Big Ten players. And I think that that's one of the big reasons that we're seeing uh, the Pac-12 not get the same kind of criticism that the Big Ten did. If the Big Ten had released a big old PDF, I don't think everybody would have read it but enough of us would have read it that we would have been able to pinpoint the argument in finer
0: detail. It's a great point. Chip, before I let you go, I, I've been wondering throughout this entire show how you would answer this question because I, you and I have such sometimes differing views on college football and I've been wondering how Chip's going to answer this question. Reese Davis last night on the SEC Network reveal saying he, he thinks that all Power 5 conferences should go to a 10-game conference schedule permanently moving forward. What do you think?
2: I think that that would create um, more, uh, that would create more inventory for television. I think that would create better games and a higher value for college football in terms of um, consistently producing great, uh, great action um, for its fans and for the sport itself. I think that would also be bringing to an end a lot of great regional relationships that sort of have uh, longer lasting impacts that go on off the field, on the recruiting trail, and sort of with the relationship between universities, between programs, and between coaching staff. And so I would hate to see some of those regional relationships come to an end in favor of playing a 10-game conference schedule. I do not disagree with the idea that it's better, that it produces a, a more worthy champion, and that it, will, because of you know taking away some of the schedule imbalance, and that it will provide, on a week-to-week basis, better games for college football fans on television and in person. I agree with all that. But I, I think that some of the off-field aspects of it would be the what I would be sad to see go. Because when you go from uh, an eight- or nine-game s- schedule you know, to everyone being at a ten-game conference schedule, that's one or two games, depending on whether you're in the ACC, SEC, or the Big Ten, pac Pac-12, Big 12. That's one or two games that are getting lopped off the schedule. And, and more than likely, that was going to be uh, one that was either going to be, A, a great opportunity for your fan base uh, to have an event-style situation, B, uh, a great on-campus home-and-home, like what we would have seen with the second leg of LSU in Texas, where LSU's win in Austin, was a, a large event-style scene, uh, or C, it's going to be the loss of an in-state or regional uh, companion and i think that you know those would be the things that i would uh, i would be sad to see go
0: well i think you and i line up pretty close on that answer i love it chip we appreciate you brother we'll talk to you next week
2: all right sounds good y'all be well